name is Rob, and I'm the host of Real Friends, a podcast dedicated to sharing the real stories of real friends with the belief that each one of us wants to be fully known and fully loved. The transition from living at home full-time to living on your own for the first time can be a challenging experience. Do you remember? Especially when that experience includes going away for college, the collegiate party environment, and your first serious dating relationship. What happens when you combine all these elements and a young college student is also given the opportunity to test or even cross many of the boundaries he initially learned and valued while growing up? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a similar situation where you either flirted with or crossed boundaries you knew were designed to protect you and keep you safe? If so, how'd that work out for you? Listen to my friend Jake Gosling as he shares his candid and redemptive story and discover for yourself. Thank you for listening. This is Real Friends. So I'm here with my friend Jake. Uh, Jake, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to meet with me. How long have you and I actually been friends? Let's think about that. We've been... And how did we actually meet? How did we meet? Yeah. Was, was it through was it connection? Was it Connection, connection Point, point? Or Life? I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember. A couple of years, three years. I mean, with COVID, everything kind of runs together. It so all it's... does begin to blur blur together, doesn't it? Um, it does. So the, the way I actually like to do this is uh, I like to kick things off by using the five love languages as an introduction to who you are and how you both express and receive love, because I think people always kind of find that interesting, how do people express and receive love. Um, so for people who are unfamiliar with the five love languages, it's based on a book written by Gary Chapman that groups our ability to both express love and receive love into five love languages. And those are physical affection, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and gifts. So if you're ready, we'll go through each one of these. And we'll just see how they resonate with you. Sounds so, good. first of all, physical affection. How important is that to you? And what does it look like these days? And how has it changed over time, especially as a married man? Yeah, I'd say that's probably probably one of my top ones. Um, which is interesting because, you know, it's like, I want to be loved that way. That doesn't necessarily mean my wife wants to be loved that way. So, that that's been an adjustment for us in marriage, I think, you know, just in terms of communicating how the other one feels loved. But I would say, I, I think as a man, that's probably one of sure. one of the top ones for right. me. And obviously that changes as you get married because you can, you know, be more intimate in that way and, and build a connection with your wife. So that's, yeah. uh, I think part of the reason for the five lang- love languages, the reason Gary wrote it was to help husbands and wives understand that here they think that they're, expressing their love but maybe and they very well may be expressing love but it may be in an area where it's not one of the higher ways that it's received by their spouse and so both of them can kind of get on the same page like what you're talking about it helps things to run much more smoothly yeah and i would i would just add to that too it's like i think early on in marriage it's like you know my wife and i would be intimate and i'd be feeling super connected but if we didn't have that emotional connection going into the you know the intimacy my wife wouldn't feel yeah, as connected sure. as, as I did Absolutely. So, um, so if I were to ask you, who's the most affectionate person you know? It could either be a friend, a child, wife, somebody like that. Who would you name? Who would end up being in your huggers or most affectionate person's Hall of Fame? That's a, that's a loaded question. I would say... 
I got to start with got to start with my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, but like like what you say, yeah. it may not be like a normal love language for a spouse to express. You may have grown up, for example, like in a family where you had a grandparent that was just very very affectionate. That was always hugging not only you but everybody in the family, or it could have been a teacher, or just a coach that was very affectionate, or a friend. So. Yeah, I think I I would definitely start with my wife and her family, just in general. Um, they're definitely just more huggers. Yeah. They're like, you know, just come on in. You know, for first time I meet them, they're they're hugging me, and I'm like, well, this is a little, you know, it's a little different. But I, you know, it's, it's like I don't mind it. It's, yeah. You just kind of get that warm feeling when you're around them. It's like no one's a stranger. Yeah, come on in. You know, your your family and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would just say my wife and, and my family's been great too. They're you know they're always there for me and and same kind of thing. But um, yeah, I, I would have to go with my wife and and her family. Just yeah. they're over the top and they're I love it. They're yeah. great. That's a yeah. good answer. Mm-hmm. Good answer. So that's physical affection. Um, quality time. What does quality time look like to you? And do you gravitate more towards active quality time or passive quality time? For me, this is where my wife and I differ too. Mm-hmm. For me, it's more passive. You know, mm-hmm. I could be, say, watching a blues game and just hanging out with uh, a buddy or, or my wife. And I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, we don't even have to exchange words. And I'm like, oh, we're like building connection. And we're, <laughs> this is great. But for my wife, it's the exact opposite. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, let's turn the TV off. Let's get our tea. You know, let's get things. Let's set the mood right. And you're going to sit and listen to me yeah. and, uh, and we're going to, you know, ask deep questions, get on that heart level. So yeah. that's been an adjustment too in marriage, which has been, you know, taught me a lot of, of how to get to that heart level with people and, yeah. and, uh, yeah, just interesting how it, yeah. it looks different to, to different people. Yeah. So. so I have a granddaughter and I'm very intentional about when I'm with my granddaughter, uh, I don't have my cell phones not on unless I'm babysitting. I might think my daughter or, um, her boyfriend. Uh, may call me, but very intentional about it. I want my attention focused on her, not on the TV, stuff like that. I want, want to make sure that we're actually doing stuff. So quality time is important for me, and I try to express that with my granddaughter. Absolutely. Um, so who and how do you spend your best quality time with these days? Again, kind of similar to the, the question above. And is it a friend, a child, your wife, um, maybe a, a family member? And how would that be? Either dinner and conversation, maybe you're, you could do it like watching a hockey game, like what you're talking about. Could even be something like worshiping together or working together. Who do you spend your best quality time with? I think just in general, family. You know, it's my wife, my son, um, my parents, uh, sister, in-laws. Um, on a daily basis, it looks like with my wife and my, my son, you know, just... Mm-hmm. My son's 18, almost 19 months, so I think just being engaged with him, and I think he's even teaching me a lot of, yeah. of what quality time looks like. And tell me more when he's, you know, when he's running around, I I can't have my phone out. I got to be Absolutely. locked in on him, right. and yeah, and uh, just really get rid of the distractions and focus up on him, you know get down on the ground with them, playing with them. Um, so he's, he's, so does that feel natural for you? Or? I would say at first it was a little unnatural. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's interesting just how God has, uh, 
open that door in my heart just to like, I don't know. I, I was very nervous about being a dad and, and what that would look like for me. Cause I, I really wasn't around kids a whole lot, mm. um, growing up and stuff. So I didn't have that, didn't have that baby time per se. Yeah. Um, but just, it's, it's amazing how God's just opened that door, opened my heart up to, to what quality time actually yeah. looks like. Yeah. So. so in in terms of like spending quality time with your son, what does that look like when you spend quality time with your son? Yeah, I mean, I think just to continue off of that, it's it's getting down on his level, right? So he's yeah. it's getting down getting involved with what he's what toys he's playing with. Right now he's into a lot of trucks, so we're moving those around on the ground and I think just you know, making that eye contact with him, smiling yeah. at him, letting him know that he has my my full attention yeah. and and I'm with him. So, yeah. Good. which is very much like I feel like God wants us to feel that way with Him too. Yeah. You know, it's a, Amen, Amen. He's yeah. with us. So, yep, yeah. So that's uh, physical affection, quality time. The third love language is words of affirmation, or words of encouragement, or words of love. How important is it to be affirmed? encourage and acknowledge not only for what you do but more importantly for who you are and how important is it to hear those three simple words i love you very important this is my this has got to be my number two on the love language Mm -hmm. scale um you know i think every person has insecurities everyone wants to hear hey good job you're doing great on x y and z yeah I think when that starts with your with your immediate family, it's, for me, it's you know hearing words of affirmation from from my wife. That gets you know that gets me, gives me some confidence, allows me to go to my job and feel feel confident about what I'm doing, and uh, you know really make a difference on you know who's ever who's ever day I'm I'm in that day. So. Yeah. yeah. So words of affirmation are important to you. How easy or natural is it for you to affirm or encourage other people interesting enough not as much you know um, yeah it's uh something i'm learning still i think we all are are learning in that um but you would think it'd be natural it's like you want to feel those words right. and you know yeah, you want to give right. them back but it's uh it's something i need to i need to learn as well yeah. so um so during covid one of the interesting things that happened during covid is being a single man um living home alone, uh, isolated and everything. Uh, I found that like physical affection, I would have originally rated like in the top, one of my top love languages. I found that it morphed into words of affirmation. And I discovered that um, other than just trying to be a little bit authentic and intentional, it really cost us nothing to pay somebody a genuine compliment or offer words of encouragement. And, um, yeah, I think that became much more apparent to me during the whole isolation phase of COVID. So, um, yeah, I think words of affirmation and encouragement, I think they're much more important to me now than they were pre-COVID. Absolutely, yeah. Um, So, who do you think is the best encourager in your life these days? A coach? Spouse? A parent? First person that comes to my mind is actually... uh... A guy down in Dallas, his name's Jimmy Martin. Mm-hmm. He, uh, my wife and I went down to Dallas to a church called Watermark for this like pre-marriage seminar thing, mm-hmm. 
and uh, we got connected with him through a pastor and you know he opened up his house to us he you know provided for us while we were down there meals and and everything and uh, really poured it poured truth into us and you know what does a biblical marriage look like but he was so graceful about it too yeah. you know it's like he really cared about where we were at where we wanted to get to and he was he was kind of uh guiding us on that on yeah. that track and yeah so what did he do that kind of stood out to you in terms of like th- encouraging you and- yeah i think um he he recognized strengths right away in in both of us maddie and i and uh just really called those out and encouraged us yeah. to you know keep going on that and he saw my both of our you know wanting to find truth wanting to seek yeah. christ and and really encourage us to keep asking questions, keep digging in, yeah. And, and yeah, it's he's he's had a, a big influence on, yeah. on both of us. Cool. And what was yeah. his name again? Jimmy Martin. Jimmy Martin. Yeah. Shout out to Jimmy Martin. Yeah, right? shout out to Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, so the fourth love language is acts of service. How important are acts of service to you these days? And what's that look like? How could somebody serve you well in your different roles, either as a dad, a husband, an employee? What's that look like? I would say for me right now, um, with family, I would say for for my wife, when I come home from work, I think what I love to walk into is a home that's clean. You know, there's mm-hmm. no toys all over the place. Maybe dinner's cooked. Mm-hmm. Those those are like, oh man, my my wife Maddie loves me so yeah. much, and she's. Yeah. she's so is Maddie a full time stay at home mom? She is now. Yeah, she, okay. her last day of work was actually uh, yesterday. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know yeah, that. With, uh, wow. So she's been working part time. Yeah. Uh, you know, when Josiah naps and stuff, yeah. she'll hop on and, yeah. and do her recruiting. But with with number two on the way, it's kind of kind of been our goal to have her yep. be yep. home full time, and we're yep. able to make that work. So yep. praise God for that. Yep. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Um, yeah, I find personally for me, I think acts of service is. Um, especially being a single man is one of the ways I like to sh- express my love um, most regularly. I think that's part of the reason why I enjoy serving in several different ministries up at the crossing. And even in the, the running group that I'm a part of, I, I enjoy being like the unofficial group photographer um, just because it's a little way that you can serve people and they seem to appreciate it and enjoy it. Absolutely, I would have so, I would have guessed that about you. Very, uh, <laughs> yeah, I love serving, love serving people. Yeah. Um, so the last um, love language that we have is gifts. How important are gifts to you? Are you a gift card type of person, or do you like to take time to research and personalize your gifts? And what's the best gift that you've ever received? And what's the best gift that you think you've given to somebody over the next over the past? whatever years yeah this one is uh not that important to me honestly it's um especially when it comes to like materialistic stuff i'm very much just like i don't really care too much you know and i think that came after i came to christ and i was just like this stuff really doesn't matter that much yeah you know sure it'd be great to have the the big house the new car and whatever and uh new clothes but it's like at the end of the day, someone 
and I think to, to kind of continue on that, the best gift someone has ever given to me is walking me through the Bible, you mm. know, showing me yeah. what what the Bible says, what the Word of God says, and, and what Jesus has done for us. That's that's yeah. the ultimate gift. And So is there one person in particular who helped take time and step you through the Bible? or? Yeah, so I would say this, um, I'll give another shout out to... Uh, Jordan Eckley, he was, I played baseball with him my freshman year of college, and um, I noticed something was different about him, and yeah. I kind of, you know, as I was coming to Christ, I, I reached out to him, and he's like, let's go, brother, let's walk through it, and let's, uh, let's dig into what, what Christ says, and, and uh, yeah, he just, he walked me through, and uh, yeah. yeah, forever grateful to him for, That's for good. showing me that. That's good. Yeah. Um, so what do you think's the best gift that you've ever given someone are you a good gift giver or oh man just, we should uh we should ask my wife about that one. <laughs> i don't know i try to be i try to be intentional yeah. i try to make it uh do you personalize it you know take time to my wife is teaching me that i need to listen to you know what she says throughout the year yeah and then you know yeah the way i can show her that i'm listening is like oh boom there's a Right. There's the gift at Christmas time or her birthday, and I would say I'm improving in that. I don't have one that really comes to mind, but um, yeah. something that's another one I could I could definitely improve on. And yeah. I don't know how about how about yourself? Well, you know, well so it's uh, um, so I'm at the stage and season of life where I pretty much, you know, if I want something, I'll go out and buy it. Sure. I can get it. Um, yeah. And so for people, I don't want people wasting like money or stuff like that, getting me gifts. And so what my daughter did for Christmas last year is she made a cute little collage that was sitting there when you walk in of uh, both me and my granddaughter. And so for me, that was like the perfect gift because it captured that first year of uh, Papa with uh, my granddaughter Gigi. Uh, so that's probably been the nicest gift that I've received recently. Um, <clears throat> then I have, uh, several years ago, it's, or maybe it was last Christmas, I was very intentional about personalizing kind of a handful of gifts that I, I gave to a friend. And none of them, I'd say, were expensive gifts, but they were all gifts that I'd sat down and was very intentional in terms of, um, knowing what was important to this person and then trying to basically personalize those gifts based on what kind of like what you were saying what i observed over the the course of the past year yeah and i would i would say i just want to give a shout out to my family as well they they are very good gift givers Mm -hmm. um especially with you know the birth of josiah my son you know they got and my uh my parents you know, they got his mattress, they got his, uh, you know, all his clothes and all this, all this good stuff. Yeah. And, and my, my sister and brother-in-law, they, um, they got his little, uh, what was it called? A bassinet thing. And yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're just on it. They're always on it yeah. and they know they see a need and they're yeah. boom, we're, we're there for you. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. They're, they're awesome. It's awesome to have family like that. Absolutely. Um, so that's your love language what do you think are maddie's top one or two love languages i would say number one is quality time Mm -hmm. yeah she loves as i was saying earlier um you know after josiah goes down for the night we'll make up some tea and we'll uh 
sit on the couch, drink our tea, and and really try to get on that heart level of, you know, where we're both at, how we can best love each other, and um, just hear what's going on in, in each other's hearts. So, number two, she loves gifts. So I need to improve on that. <laughs> so she probably said the same thing. So. Yep, yeah, yep. Uh, we don't want to give away any secrets since Christmas is what Christmas is almost a month away. So it is, we don't want to give away any any tips in terms of what you may be thinking about getting here for Christmas. That's so right. That's we'll keep right. that on the down low, other than the <laughs> fact that you're you're wanting to be better by Christmas. Absolutely. Um, so let's transition and talk about who you are right now. So during yeah. your current season of life. How would you define or describe Jake Gosling? Would you describe yourself uh, as like exactly where you want to be? Maybe headed in the wrong direction, thriving, but still want to accomplish more or somewhere in between. How would you define yourself? Oh, man. I mean, first I got to say just uh, a servant of Christ. You know, that's I feel like that's what we're all, Mm -hmm. where we're all at. None of us are perfect all striving to be better. Yep. And so um, what's that mean to you when you say serpent of Christ? What's yeah, that look right, like in the real world? Right now for yeah. me, it, it's uh, just trying to lead my family well. Yeah. Trying to uh, pour truth into uh, into Maddie, Josiah, mm-hmm. soon to be our, our baby girl as well. Yeah. And just really lead by example, you know, have a humble heart, yeah. love people well. Um and that, that leaks into to work as well. And I think that's one area I'm, I'm struggling with right now in work is maybe don't feel the uh, the purpose in, in the work I'm doing. Yeah. Do um, you go into the office when you work? I do a little bit of hybrid, okay. probably three or four days from home and then one or two in the office. Do uh, people know that you're a Christian or Christ follower? Yeah, I would say the majority do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe that's something I need to to look at too is being in the office more and just getting that interaction and and uh and sharing christ more you know you can can only do that when you're you can only do that so much over teams or zoom or whatever yeah. so yeah right i think being in person you get the new dynamic so yep. yep yeah um what else what's the what was the, what was the question i just basically <laughs> it's like um describing yourself in terms of who you see yourself. So Christ follower first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure like a, a, um, a dad, a husband, yeah. um, an employee. Um, who do you work for these days? UHY. It's a public accounting firm. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, an employee, maybe a friend, family member, just all those different type of roles. You know, they're whichever one's kind of stand out to you the most right now during your current season of life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Christ follower, first of all, trying to lead the family well, um, be a good supportive husband to my wife. You know, that's, she's had a rough pregnancy. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the first trimester she, we had nurses coming in and she has something called HG where it just, she gets nauseous and, uh, you know, it's really, really rough first trimester yeah. for her and she kind of bounces back in that second trimester and then the third, it's like all the aches and pains and um yeah it's it's tough so just trying to be there for her and and uh hear her actually hear her and and it comes back to that quality time of just hey let me let me let me get on a heart level with you let me listen to to what's going on and um try to do that to to the best of my ability yeah good yeah 
And how old is Josiah? He is uh, 18, almost 19 months. So December okay. December 1st will be 19 months. Ah, okay. Yeah. So not that different from my granddaughter, Gianna. Yes. Okay. Her birthday's yeah. in January. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, okay, so now what I like to do is I like to start at the beginning. Uh, because the beginnings, the early formative years, um, whether we're conscious about it or not, I think they shape and influence a large portion of who we are and how life plays out. For better or for worse, and as an adult, we either reap the benefits of how we were raised, or we spend years unpacking and dealing with some of the fallout and trauma we experience early in life. So, tell me about your childhood and years as a youth. What are some of your earliest memories as a child growing up? Good memories, bad memories, somewhere in between. And what did you want to be when you were growing up? Yeah, that's good. That's a good question. Uh, so, I'm very lucky. I have two great parents. I have a sister, just a, uh, a loving family. Always, always been there for me, you know, whether it's travel sports as a kid and whatever need that I, I had, they're always there to, to meet it and, uh, be in every, every season of life with me. So I'm, I'm very lucky. And, um, so I would say, were your parents Christ followers? So they, we were in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they would even say, believe in, they believed in Christ. They mm-hmm. weren't necessarily making that a priority, I would say, mm-hmm. in their life. Um, but definitely they gave me the foundation of, mm-hmm. hey, this is, this is Christ. This is what he's done. We'll go to Mass yep. occasionally. Yep. Um, but it, I wouldn't say it was, it was like, we're living out for Christ every single day. It was kind of just like checking boxes here and there, which. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was born and raised Catholic too, Catholic mm-hmm. grade school. And um, whether it's intentional or unintentional, I think I got wrapped up so much in the ritual of what's going on that sure. I lost sight of what was really important in the message. And um, contrasting that with, you know, where I'm at now in terms of my relationship with Christ. It's a whole different experience. And so um, just curious in terms of like what your experience was like growing up like that. Yeah, I think uh, it's easy to get carried away with the traditions and rituals, which I think are beautiful when you have the right heart posture Mm -hmm. towards them. And I think I just, I didn't as a kid. I was kind of just going through the motions of, you know, the priest says I have to do this. And I'm just checking boxes off versus like, what does this mean as like a, a heart level yeah. of what has Christ actually done for me type of a thing, which, you know, praise God, he's kind of led me to that. And, yep. and, Amen. Uh, um, but yeah, I was, you know, going through all the sacraments and, uh, and doing that, which again are beautiful things, right? When you, when you do them with, with the right heart posture. Um, but yeah, that, that, uh, that kind of changed for me in, in college, you know, you, uh, you can only go off of that for so much when you're not on the heart level with Christ and you start to question, you know, why am I even doing this type of a stuff? There's people living their lives in totally different ways, which seem a lot more fun, you know, when, when you're a freshman in college. And, and so that's kind of what it was for me. Um, I didn't necessarily feel like I had that why of why I was doing some of the things I was doing in, in the church. And, 
didn't have that strong relationship with Christ. So when, you know, the temptations came of, hey, there's parties, there's girls you can be chasing after. That's kind of where I was, where I was led in in college. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Childhood, uh, go through grade school up into your uh, high school years. Mm -hmm. Um, What were the high school years like? Were they fun years, challenging years, popular, unpopular? Were you involved in like cliques, sports, academics? Yeah, I was. I played baseball all throughout throughout high school. Um, so that was that was kind of my my main focus. You know, I was really driven to be the best baseball player I could be. I didn't really didn't really party much in in high school. I was a pretty straight and narrow kid, um, yeah. and hung out with those people as well. It's kind of just. We're not into the party scene. We'll we'll hang out. We'll go to someone's house, and you know we'll play video games and stuff, and yeah. we'll shoot hoops. And so you, were, in terms of like peer pressures, then did you find out that there were peer pressures in high school, or were you able to skirt past those, like alcohol, drugs, sex, unhealthy relationships, any of those type of challenges in high school? For me, not not so much. Okay. I mean, not till I would say the senior year yeah. of high school. I okay. kind of. Uh, kind of avoided that which was which was great yeah. I was so focused in on you know I want to play college baseball I want to be the best player I can be and um, so that was my main focus and I, I had luckily I had a group of friends who were cool just hanging out on yeah. Friday Saturday and playing video games so how important are peer groups during that stage or that season of life oh they're they're everything yeah. which is uh, which is why I I was drawn to uh, getting involved with with the youth at the crossing, just trying to be somewhat of a, an, an example and, you know, be an encouragement to these kids of like, you know, this is the right way with Christ yeah. and this is, and just having that community, which I'm sure you can attest to as yeah. well. It's, yeah. it's who you surround yourself with is, you know, you're going to be somewhat like, right? Yeah. Oh, their, their peers are so important to them. And I can see that, especially if they, um, if they don't have a healthy relationship with their mom or dad, their peers, even if they do have a healthy relationship with mom or dad, just their peer group is just so important to them at this age. Um, so you were born and raised in St. Louis, right? That's right. Yep. Okay. I went to, I got to answer the high school you question. You got to answer yeah, that. Yeah, that's part of the deal. Yeah. I went to, uh, so grade school I went to Incarnate Word. Um, and then high school I went to Chaminade. Oh, uh, not, yeah. CCP, yep. So. Yeah. And that's that's a great school, you know. Yeah. I I love how they have the uh, they have like a house system, so you're all placed in like a, in a house, mm. kind of like Harry that's Potter, which is yeah. uh, mm. which is cool. I was a big Harry Potter fan back in the day, yeah. so uh, kind of having that that uh, format was, was cool for me. Yeah. And and that's a that was a way to you know build friends and and um, yeah, I had I had a great great high school experience. Um, and yeah, I mean it was it was great. I I made the the varsity team my uh, my junior year. It took me till junior year, um, and yeah, I just I had a great time. It's yeah. it great stuff. Yeah. So you graduate high school, mm-hmm. um, you go to college. Um, tell me what the the college years are like. Yeah, college years were those those were eye opening for me. I was like, oh man, people actually uh, live a totally different way than I was. Uh, was this your first time living? Away from home? It was, yeah. So I went to Rockhurst University in in Kansas City, uh, played baseball there. And um, did you go on a scholarship? uh, Academic, yeah. Academic, yeah. Um, And then played played baseball baseball with that. So 
those were eye-opening times for me. It was um, it was all new to me, so yeah. I was like, "This is awesome!" Like I'm I'm away from my my family and kind of free to do whatever I want. Right. Yeah. And so, what that look like? So that was uh, that's partying on the weekends. I mean, it was three to four times a week. I would say going out. Um, uh, you know, it's you just kind of get sucked into that sure. lifestyle if you don't have that firm foundation in Christ. Which yeah, I knew who Christ was. I didn't have the firm relationship, and I think that's why I was led down those those tempting paths of you know let's let's go party, let's chase after the next girl, let's all about me, me, me. Yep, and that's. Uh, so how do you do academically while you're in sports wise while you're? Yeah, I think uh, playing sports it it taught me time management. So grades were great, you know, hmm. um, three five to four oh one semester. Yeah. So that was uh was nice. I yeah, I had a lot of success. I think I have a uh, kind of a photographic memory, so I can read things and just remember what it what it is in the oh, book and it's nice. like just kind of memorize things yeah. so that's that was very helpful as a, as i was going through through school so yeah wouldn't say necessarily learned it all right but right. i had that that good yeah. memory so um so during this stage or season of your life um would you say that there were any major milestones or turning point in life and in hindsight what do you think either was or were your major challenges growing up during this season of life? Yeah, so this, I think with being out in the party scene, right, you meet people. This was my, I had my first girlfriend during this this phase. Mm-hmm. Dated her for, I don't know, three, three years off and on. And, uh, you know, it's like you're your first love sure. right and we weren't pure so we're sleeping together that adds a yep. you know a deeper connection right god says you'll be joined together as one yep amen right yep. and that's that's what sex does that joins you together and that's why god has designed that for marriage because it's it's kind of the glue that holds you together and and so doing that before marriage that uh that's heartbreaking when you when you break up with someone and kind of led me down a spiral of, you know, clinging on to, to her in an unhealthy way. Right. Mm-hmm. So just difficult breakup and, uh, really regret a lot of things that, you know, the way I treated her, the way, um, just what I was doing during that time. It's like, you know, involved in the alcohol and that leads to unhealthy relationships too. When you're when you're not sober minded, you say things, yeah, you, you know, you regret. And that's, that's what I remember a lot of those first three years of college as it's just a lot of, a lot of regrets, a lot of things that, you know, words I said that probably hurt people, you know, when I'm not sober minded. And, and even when I, when I was sober minded, I just, I had a very much me, me, me mentality. And, um, just not healthy leads to leads to damaged relationships and uh yeah so a lot of a lot of regrets in those first three years and and i i wish i wish i would have had that foundation in christ going into college of uh, you know that that community group as you were as you were talking about of these are my people i can be accountable to they can kind of like make sure i'm i'm doing the right things and i'm i'm did you have anything like that in 
college, any type of accountability group? I had, uh, I had, you know, friends, but they weren't necessarily, they weren't following Christ. So I had that, like, I had that community, but it wasn't Christ centered. So it was, it was a different accountability, right? Yeah. When you're, you're not under, they're going to encourage you to go out to the parties. Exactly. Type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, for, you know, get over the next girl or yeah. get over your girlfriend by going to the next girl type right. of a thing and just, just unhealthy ways. Yeah. So. so you say the first three years. So was there a turning point then in year four? There was. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I actually went to this dance festival, kind of still, you know, living out the party life. Um, I went to this dance festival and, and I was never really into drugs. Um, that night, it was a September night. Um, I took ecstasy and that's, that drug's supposed to make you feel great, like on top of the world. And that was something I was living for. It's like, you know, I'm going to, it's all about self-pleasure, self, mm-hmm. you know, self-seeking. And, um, so I took that one September night at that dance festival and I, uh, I got to backtrack a little bit. We we went to this festival because my buddy had a uh, a snow cone uh, business. He was a, a vendor at that mm-hmm. at that festival, so I was kind of helping him with that, and had a bunch of buddies in there. We were all we were there helping him, you know, quote unquote. But we were also there for the festival, have a good time, and um, so I took that. Um, I just got consumed with complete sadness. I mean, mm-hmm. it it did. I feel like God's hand was on this the whole way. It did to me the exact opposite of what it was supposed to do. And I remember, I remember feeling just like for about 30 seconds, a minute, maybe it's like great feelings. Like this is, Oh, you know, I'm feeling great. This is what it's supposed to do. And then that complete sadness of, Hmm. um, you know, just like depressed state. It's like almost like a hellish state of, is anything good in this world? Like, am I, gonna be okay and like my mind just kind of like it got stuck in that for a good while like 30 minutes to an hour and my my friends are there they're you know giving me water and stuff at that point I went back to his uh to his trailer I was in the middle you know kind of partying and then I went back to the trailer because I I was just mentally really hurting you know and um those guys were kind of with me, getting me water, trying to get, help me get back to a normal frame of mind. And so, could they tell something was up? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, they they were just like, oh yeah, he's having a bad trip. You know, some of them had had done drugs before, yeah. and for me, that's that was a new experience. And uh, you know, I praise God in this moment. Um, looking back, I uh, praise God for my parents, my family for giving me, you know telling me that there is a God, that Jesus came to save me. I wasn't living for him at that time, but in that moment, as I'm leaving the festival, they, you know, they called me an Uber to get me out of there. Um, I'm in the Uber and I, uh, I remember calling out to God in that moment. I'm like, God, if you're real, like, I believe you're real. I'm not living for you. Get me back to normal frame of mind. And, and I'm going to turn my whole life to you. And, you know, praise God, he did his part right away. And, uh, that, you know, that night I started feeling better, started coming back to, and, um, and, um, so I felt, felt good, you know, God got me back to a, a normal, normal mind. Like, okay, everything's not all doom and gloom. Like I'm going to be okay. And, 
and I look back and I'm like, I made a covenant with God there. And, um, and of course took me a little bit longer to, to be drawn to him. So I kind of went back to my, my way of living and partying. And, um, I began to have just crippling anxiety, panic attacks. Um, what do you attribute that to? I'm not really sure. I did. Uh, there was like a video circulating around that time too, of just like, it was called the gauntlet challenge. And there was like each video, things got worse and worse. It was like, um, you know, someone got ran over by a train in the first one. Then like towards the end, like someone's head was literally getting, getting cut off. So just evil things, like just horrible, gruesome things. And I think that opened my eyes to like, wow, there is really a lot of evil in this world. There is real evil. Yeah. And I think that that was terrifying for me to realize, like, cause I I feel like I had been kind of sheltered, you know, a little bit and, um, realizing that not knowing fully what Christ is, that he can protect me from that. And I feel like God allowed that to happen. You know, he, he allowed that anxiety to happen. I wouldn't say he gave that to me. Right. But he, he allowed it to happen. And it really awakened me even more to call out to him of like, God, lead me to wherever it is you are. Lead me to, and show me how to, show me how to follow you. Cause I, I didn't know how. And, um, so this brings me back to, to my previous shout out to Jordan Eckley. And this mm-hmm. is the guy who, uh, who I played baseball with my freshman year. I'm at this point when I'm calling out to God, I'm a, I'm a senior and he had actually transferred after my freshman year. So I, uh, I had to text him, reach out to him and, um, and he, he, um, praise God, he walked me through, through the Bible and, and laid the foundation for me of, of who Christ is. And there were just so many convictions during that time too. And, you know, I need to purify my relationship with, I was dating Maddie at this time, uh, my, my now wife. Like we need to, we need to be pure. We need to remove these things that are, are distracting and to determine if we're meant to be together. Right. It's like, are we really compatible or is it just, you know, is it just lustful physical things? So, so how well received was that when you cross that physical boundary and now Mm -hmm. you're deciding that you're called to live, you know, be a man of sexual integrity and live the way God called you to live. Um, How well did that work out having navigating a conversation like that with Maddie? Yeah, I think that was hard, right? So that's a, that's a challenge in and of itself. Like you've crossed that point now backtracking. Yeah. You gotta be on the same page. Right. And, and uh, I don't think I communicated that well, you know, I, uh, it was kind of just like, Oh, we're not doing that anymore. And I wasn't, I wasn't, wasn't great at like, Hey, there's, here's what's going on. Right. So that kind of took a little bit of time of like, well, especially at quality times, like her number one love language, she yeah. needs to kind of process this and go through this. Right. Wants to go through the ins and outs and the whole spaghetti logic. If you're just like, I have decided, you know, this is off the table now. Yeah, <laughs> right. it's probably not going to go over Yeah. Well. Being a dictator and stuff. Yeah. And that's, that doesn't tend to go too well. So, no. but no, Maddie had a, she has a strong background faith in her family as well. Um, and I think that's it's just something when you don't 
you know, I wasn't leading her well. So, and, and she wants, she wants the attention, right. And she's, I was giving her the attention in not great ways. So, yeah. so, um, yeah, so that, that took some time for us to kind of like work through that together. And, and, uh, well, first of all, kudos to you, mm. like hearing God say, Hey, look, here's my expectation for you. First of all, as a man, then second of all, as a, a man who, if you love Maddie, someone I've created, here's what I deem is best for both of you. Now you kind of got yourself in this situation ahead of time. I want you to go ahead and man up and trust me enough to go ahead and do what I'm leading you to um, do, which is right prior to marriage. And so kudos to you for being willing to go ahead and work through all that. I'm sure it had to be messy. I appreciate that. Yeah, it was it was not a uh, not pretty by any means, but, you know, God disciplines us and it's not always going to be pretty. Right. Yep, so amen. It's, uh, amen. You know, he really led us through that, and it's been, you know, it's years, year-long, years-long process of just yeah. convicting us, leading us, taking the drinking out of our, you know, being sober-minded. Yeah. That was another big thing for us, too. Like, hey, we're not going to party anymore. Like, we're yeah. not going to not gonna do that anymore. And, you know, just that led to, to conversations, Maddie and I together, and ultimately made us stronger, you know, because when we were out partying and stuff, those hurtful words come in and you're not thinking clearly and you get jealous. I mean, that was a huge thing for my first relationship and with Maddie, uh, just jealousy when you're not thinking clearly leads to, to damage. So, um, so were you guys attending a a church, a good church at this time or we were not, no, we, um, it didn't really, didn't really get plugged in until I got back into into St. Louis, moved back yeah. after after college, and that's when I found the crossing. Um, but yeah, I, re- I want to backtrack a little bit to the mm-hmm. drinking thing and yeah. uh, walk through what Jordan Eckley was showing me in the Bible. And I this verse in Ephesians 5.18, mm-hmm. and it says, uh, Do not get drunk on wine in which lies debauchery, but be, be filled with the Spirit. Yeah, amen. That, yeah. Uh, that verse, it... God came in and he, he wrecked, wrecked me there. And it's just like a, it was a wake up call for me to like, you gotta, you know, you gotta change and, and, uh, you gotta change because I love you is what God's saying you. And this is best for you. And that's what, and that's what I started to realize that, that God, he has these boundaries for us because he loves us and he's made us for, you know, he's made these things for certain ways, like, you know. It's okay They're to have good. a beer. Yeah, it's right. okay to have a beer. It's right. okay to have a glass of wine, but let's not. Right. They're just meant to be experienced in the way God designed things to be experienced. Right. Yeah. 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 So. Um, so then, um, did you totally give up drinking, or how'd that that work out? Um. So I wouldn't say totally at first, and it was a gradual process, yeah. right? It's it wasn't like. I just cut it out all one day and it's right. like, oh, we're good now. It was a, you know, I'd go to the party and, you know, call it tipsy, mm-hmm. right? And then it was, okay, we're no no longer going to the parties. And then, mm-hmm. and then luckily, you know, 
praise God for the, the Catholic background, uh, Lent season came up. So I'm like, boom, you know, let's, uh, let's give up <laughs> drinking. Give up alcohol yeah. for the next 40 yeah. days. <laughs> so that, you know, it worked, worked out well. So, and it, you know, it went, went well. And, and I think through that, that 40 days, it's like, oh, I don't really need this. You know, I'm mm-hmm. at this point, I'm back in St. Louis and I'm, you know, I got my, I'm working my job and stuff. And, um, I think I was working back at that point. Um, yeah, I think I was, but it's like, it was, a, it was an eye-opening experience. Like, oh, I don't, I don't need to do that anymore. Like God has, has taken that away from me, you know, yeah. and, and I don't, I don't need it. Yeah. Yeah. I think God showed me that through that season and, you know, praise, praise God for yeah. him that I can, uh, I can have a beer and, and, and not have to have right. 10 beers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so let's talk about that. That your next season of life, post school, you've got the career, mm-hmm. job, uh, marriage. Um, how did you eventually end up landing the job that you have now, and how did you end up proposing to Maddie? Yeah, good question. So, 2017 was when we Maddie and I both graduated. I was there for my fifth year of, of college at Rockhurst. She was she's, she's a year younger, so. The, the timing worked out and she's from Iowa. So she, we kind of had a decision to make. It's like, hmm. is she going to go back to Iowa? Is she going to move here? So she ended up moving back to Iowa for a little bit. And we did a long distance that summer, um, summer of 2017. And um, we just kind of got to a point. It's like, you know, are we going to continue doing this? Are we, what are we doing? So I think, um, my mom really helped out and she's like, Hey, you know, if she wants a place to stay, she can stay at, at our yeah, house. And I was living is. at home. Yeah. And, um, so that was, a. she ended up moving to St. Louis and, um, keep in mind this during this time, it's like, we're still trying to figure things out. We're still trying to, you know, be convicted by God. Yep. God's convicting us through all this. And through 2017, she moves here, gets a job. I had a job lined up right after, uh, right after college with a, an accounting firm, Reuben Brown and mm-hmm. great, great firm. And, uh, had some, had a great, great time when I was with them. And, um, so I had a stable, stable job. Maddie moves here without a job from Iowa. So what a, you know, kudos to her. What a, yeah. what a risky, you know, and rewarding yeah. move it ended up being. Um, and this is she moves here without you having officially proposed to her yet, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. So just, that is a she's just my girlfriend at the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, so it's not like she had a ring on her finger and yeah. it's like, oh yeah. yeah. So I think uh, you know, looking back, God orchestrated all of this, and oh. and uh, it's pretty amazing to look back on. Um, so she gets a job, um, you know, during those. 2017 into 2018, a lot of those convictions, a lot of hard times, you know, difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, man, it's just like, we're in 2018 now. She's like, what, are, you know, are you going to, you going to propose to me? Ever? <laughs> She's like, what, what are we doing? I moved here. What's, what's going on? So then we, uh, we started getting plugged into, um, the crossing. Um, I remember the first quarter life event we went to, we were still not, uh, engaged and yeah. we're she's talking to all of these new girlfriends she's like yeah he's he won't even put a ring on my finger yet and he's like dragging his feet and um so yeah we began to get plugged in and uh we went down to watermark church and that's down in dallas 
and uh, that's where Jimmy Martin comes into the story and and uh, uh, really pours into us and and kind of you know for me. So this I was, was in a dating relationship again before mm-hmm. you're actually engaged. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, so we went down to Dallas together, stayed with Jimmy, and uh, uh, poured into us. Showed us what a biblical marriage looks like. Him and his wife—they're—they're mm. they're amazing people. Yeah. Um, and then went to the the seminar, and again, just getting poured into the whole weekend. And I think at, at that point, we were both like, "Okay, you know, I think this is something that God wants us in. We're we seem to be compatible. You know, we're we love each other. We've we've gotten rid of the the impurities. Mm-hmm. You know the." the drunkenness, the sex. And I think we're looking at this with a clear mind. Part one of my episode with Jake Gosling ends here. We'll pick back up with the answer to how Jake proposes to his future wife, Maddie, and the conclusion of Jake's story on the next episode of Real Friends. In the meantime, to all our listeners in Podville, thank you for being loyal listeners. I appreciate each and every one of you. To a very special friend of mine, I love you dearly. I look forward to sharing more real-life stories with each and every one of you in the future. Thank you for listening. This has been an episode of Real Friends.